Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Amy. Hi, Kay. Thank you so much for having me. What a uh, nice little cycle of events. I think we met through Instagram and did a bit of coaching <laughs> together and now here we are. I know it's perfect to think you were right with me at the very beginning of my journey of taking my art to being business. Like you were there right at the start where I took that jump. So it's so good to come that full circle and be back here today. Amazing. And it's so nice to see how much you're thriving and really stepping into, like I remember we were really concepting your values and what you stand for and and even some beliefs around, you know, getting paid for it. And then Mm -hmm. to see that you've moved through that and are doing so well and now we get to share. I know. It's been such a big journey and it's just so good to be here on the other side of a lot of those limiting beliefs and to be doing what I know I'm meant to be doing. So magical. Amazing. And I think just for those at home to to know we're going to dive into, you know, working with creatives and I'll get Amy in a minute to introduce how she she works and what she does. But um, I think a testimony to why you're the right person to have this conversation with Amy is because you are are an artist, you are a creative and you've figured out how to turn that into a business. But Amy reached out to me on on Instagram and said, hey, Kay, I've got this idea. I'd love to chat with you on the podcast about it. And I think, you know, the fact that we're sitting here and ready for this great conversation is a perfect example of what happens when artists can get a little bit of business skill behind them and pitch themselves and put them in in themselves in the running for opportunities Mm. and conversations, then, you know, more often than not, people go, oh, yeah, cool, great idea, let's do this. And it can sometimes be as simple as that. Yeah, I know. I like to think of myself like a few years ago, just reaching out and being like, hey, I got an idea. Do you want to chat about it? Like, you know, that it's been a big journey for me to get from where I was to just being confident enough to be like, hey, I have something of value to give. Do you want to collaborate? It's been big. Yeah, I know. Congratulations. I think it's a, a <laughs> great a great skill and something that we're going to dive into today. Yeah. Um, but before we get into our topic, I might get you to introduce yourself and what you do. Of course. So my name's Amy McNee and I'm an author. I'm a creative coach and a book doula. So a lot of my work is about working with artists. Um, my work as a book doula is really specifically working with creatives and supporting them through the process of, you know, having an idea to completing a novel or a book or a screenplay, any kind of storytelling. Um, and then my work as a creative coach is, again, just working with artists and dealing with all the stuff that will come up with when we take our creativity seriously. So looking at perfection perfectionism, a procrastination, an imposter syndrome, and just holding space and giving permission for artists to do what they know that they're born to do. Um, so I write about that um, and I teach about that. And that is what I do. It's amazing. And definitely make sure you go and check out her Instagram because she's got some really good practical tips on there and super relatable. And yeah, I think that definitely is a standout as to why you are good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. So, I mean, today's topic is really going to be pretty much what I've just written my book on, (laughs) what you do for a living. 
and why I started my business around the idea that there is a lot of creative people out there who are very talented and very skilled. And, you know, when my idea for Startup Creative came from meeting, you know, these one particular was a friend who was, you know, just topped her grade in her master's of, um, you know, creative arts or something and had won these awards and, you know, doing shows and, but was working, you know, so when you look at her artist side, it was striving. She wasn't necessarily making money off it, off it, but she was making her money in a coffee shop, which she didn't actually like. And when I sat with her, I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, look at this potential over here Mm -hmm. with your art. If we can just package it up and put a little business savvy and get you out in the right places, then this could be your full-time income. Incredible. I resonate with that story so much for so long. You know, all I wanted to be was I wanted to be an author. And I knew like I'd been in the nine to five. I absolutely hated it. Like I really struggled being in that space. I was working in coffee shops. Um, but and I had, you know, I had written full books. I, I had the art practice down, but I was waiting. I was literally just waiting for someone to happen by me and see me so they could give me permission to do the art, to let me be paid for my art. But I didn't understand how to take that leap and to give myself permission to make money through my creativity. And I was, I waited around for years thinking, what's wrong? What's happening? Why can't I make this my living? without the understanding that I had to give myself the invitation to do that. And I had to invite myself into, you know, creating business around what I did. Yeah. And I think that's such an important part of the journey. And I think that, you know, what you share around why isn't this taking off? Why isn't somebody mm-hmm. coming and giving me opportunities and finding me and, and telling me how great my art is and it getting recognized? And, you know, what I've seen with musicians over the years with uh, actually, a friend of mine is friends with um, Charlie XCX. She grew up with her and mm. they were both, she shared a story with me recently and said, you know, when we were younger, we both wanted, you know, loved music and were passionate about it and, you know, kind of dreamt of giving it our all and making a career out of it. And when she looks back on that, she's like, Charlie went and made that happen. She was, when she was 15, I should try and get her on the podcast actually. Yeah, it's so interesting. When she was 16, she was going and, and playing every gig she could and she was writing music and and you can hear from those stories that she actually had the business hustle that mm-hmm. went with her skill set. And I think the good thing about that is that if you're creatively talented that is an amazing gift that you've been given. Your job is to learn now. And the beauty of it is that it can be learnt and or taught is to add a a few little um, pointers to, to what you do and wrap it around and, and actually take your art to the world. Yes. And that's just was one of my biggest lessons. I think as artists, we've come like the past has told us and our culture has uh, sold us a story that we have to wait for gatekeepers for to be picked. Uh, I know as authors, we feel like we have to, you know, we, we submit to publishing companies, we get put in the slush pile and we just have to wait for them to pick us before we can begin our business. And that Mm. kind of, it's very passive, you know, like you do the art, then you, then you send it out and then you just wait. And there's no business, there's nothing to do with business in that. It's super passive. It makes you feel very, very small. Um, And there's nothing active or, you know, offensive Mm. about it. And 
I and made me, I mean, I, my mental health tanked just sending out my book to these people, never hearing back because, you know, the industry has changed a lot and you're not getting a lot of work from just slush pile submissions for novels. And I was just waiting and I was like, I don't know what else I can do. And it mm. took, you know, getting in contact with you and really getting myself in a place where I could take initiative and be like, I don't need permission from anybody else other than me. And all I've got to do is start getting creative in a business sense. Mm. Um, and I can start making, you know, a life for myself because I was so done working, you know, in jobs that I hated and weren't in service to me. Mm. Um, but it took me years to figure out that that was something that I had control over. Yeah. And I think that's a great tip because, you know, even I was in the nine to five and I wouldn't, I don't know whether I consider myself creative, but I'm, I, you know, I've, I, I like creative, beautiful things, but I'm not an artist by any sense. And um, I strongly but, disagree with that. <laughs> I was actually just thinking that. I was like, oh, I guess I wrote a book. But for me, it feels so disagree. practical. <laughs> Thank you. I guess I am creative. But, yes, um, yes. you know, I think that uh, I guess maybe when I see the word creative and I think a lot of the clients that you work with is that they are these very, you know, open-minded, you know, they see ideas, they concept things that don't yet mm. exist. They they translate feelings and thinkings into words and art and music and, um, you know, they, it, for me, I like the real, like singers and writers and artists and, you know, for me, I look at those people and I'm like, wow, the world needs you. And I think that's where I get passionate about coaching them because yeah. I'm like, you, yeah, you will get lost in the noise and we won't get to see your beauty. And I think the old paradigm with the artist mentality is that, you know, you, I kind of romanticize the maybe 60s and 70s of like mm. the starving artist and the hippies. And they were like, we don't care where um you know we're making this because we love it and there's this really I see this common thread with really deeply creative people who are like they find it so hard to use that other part of their brain that is a bit more logical and you know as a coach and I'm sure you're the same they almost outsource it to us and say Can yeah you, just, you know tell me what to do because this muscle in my brain isn't that strong, but I'm, I'm ready to take myself seriously and I want to do this. Totally. And I think there's such a beauty in that. And I think you spoke about this in your podcast that you went, that you recorded about um, writing your book. Like, you know, you don't have to do it all yourself. Like you're allowed to outsource, you're allowed to connect with others. And I think artists so often pin themselves in as only the creator. And that means that you can't be the business-minded person um, or you can't, you know, do your accounts. And it's like, you know, first of all, you know, who knows yet because you haven't tried. But secondly, you know, you can reach out for help and support there and you should because we need you and we need you out there and that requires that element of thinking, but it doesn't have to be all on you and you're allowed to go search for people who can support you in that area. Mm, and I think that's true. It's like, I mean, I, when I say I'm not creative, is like, like I couldn't put a graphic together, you know, <laughs> and, yeah, and I yeah. worked very hard <laughs> to take a nice photo. But so for me, it's like it's really natural and normal for me. And I had support with writing my book. I hired my own editor, and um, mm. and I had a publishing house, obviously. But that's me outsourcing the creativity. I hired photographers. I, you know, yeah. I got somebody to write my podcast music and all of that is me outsourcing. And so I think it's a nice example to, to allow artists and give them permission to go, 
you don't have to be logical. Like, let us help you there. Yeah. Because if you if you try to do all the logical stuff yourself, then you actually squash your creativity, which is what you need that you actually need to prioritize that and give that healthy energy and support and space because that's where your magic is made. Totally. And I've been learning that recently. Um, Just I've been giving more and more stuff away and it's giving me so much more space. But simultaneously and conversely, I have found like, you know, I was really committed to the idea that I was only a creator. I wasn't going to be a business person. I was just a writer and, and an artist and that was who I was. But, you know, since starting, you know, business and, and creating my art into something that, you know, supports my, my lifestyle and supports me financially. I've also found that I've fallen in love with the creativity of business. And just, it surprised me how creative some aspects of creating a business can be. Um, and obviously some of it was never going to be in alignment and I need support in some areas, especially I'm a big macro. I have big visions. I'm not good on the, the small things and the small details, but I've outsourced them. But the big vision stuff of of running a business, of being an author that makes money is like super fun. And it, that took me by such a surprise, but like what a joy it's been to learn that and to learn that new skill and to find it to be an art in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the common theme that I find there is that when you start to get a little bit of a a taste for what is possible, and mm-hmm. I think we'll end up talking about this and um, around the when you start to see and you get some results when you apply yourself in this space if you start to get some results then you start to believe that it's actually possible and you know also it's also possible to believe that it's possible without having you know before starting and the moment that you shift that mindset and say actually I'm going to drop the belief that this can't be done I'm going to find examples who have done it like you know I I hate it when somebody says oh a musician doesn't make money it's Mm -hmm. like hang on a second like look at the Rolling Stones or, you know, I saw Charlie XCX just bought yeah. a five, $5 million house. Like that's a, that's a limiting belief. You now need to step into, which is what both you and I have just shared of stop being a victim and, and believing that if you're an artist and you're creative, you will never make money mm-hmm. and instead step into the, okay, this is possible. How am I going to make it work? And that for me is when it, when somebody, whether they're creative or not, they actually set themselves the why and the vision. And, you know, I'm a big meditator. So for me, that looks like visualizing myself in that future before it even exists and starting to teach my body that it is possible and, you know, something can exist there for me. And when you get that and you see that and you actually feel it, it actually becomes your why. So I think what, you know, has happened for you is that you look at that situation and go, ah, hang on, this is actually starting to work here. Mm -hmm. I'm, I I want this. I'm, I'm not prepared to go back to what it used to be. And that inspires you to learn and do some of the things that maybe wouldn't come naturally, would you say? That's it, literally exactly right. And I love uh, what you say about 
visualizing and understanding what it is that you want. Um, again, as we've been speaking about, these stories about artistry are so pervasive that we, you know, that it, we're going to be poor, that, you know, nobody can make it, that only the top few percent can make it. Like these stories are so pervasive through all our culture. And I committed to them and I really bought into them. And it was only when I dropped a lot of these beliefs that, you know, I, I that being an artist was only for the very special, uh, that wanting this was almost childlike. I had a lot of stories about how I was almost like infantile because I wanted to be an author that made money. And once I dropped them and I allowed myself, again, it's that permission giving, I gave myself permission to see myself as an author who was financially abundant, who was able to connect with many, many people. And once I had that visualization and I understood that there was no shame attached to that and that I you know, shook off those stories that made me feel feel like really uh, childish for wanting that, then I was able to take steps into that business realm um, and start making money off my art. But I had to address those stories first Mm. and they were so attached to who I was as a person. Yeah, I love that so much. And I remember working with you around some of this stuff too, and it didn't come easy. You you did a lot work we worked together over a few months and and you really went deep with it and you you tried things that worked and didn't work and you know eventually found your groove with it and you know even just chatting to you now I can feel the shift in you from when we were working Mm. together and you know that's I think that's really nice for people at home to know that you know, and, and we're going to do a bit of a, a masterclass here and give you guys some steps as to how to go from I'm I'm a creative or, you know, whether you're loving it, you're getting paid for it, it's something you do for just for fun or for your own purposes um, and, and actually packaging yourself up as a bit of a business. But I think the first step if we, before we kick in, for those listening at home, I challenge everyone now to maybe write down what are the limiting beliefs and where did they come from for Mm. why you believe you can't make money doing what you love as as a creative and you know it could be remembering that your you know parents might have said oh go get a real job or you've heard too many you know you've been surrounded yourself with other pessimistic artists who have said oh no you can't make money from that or you know, so so dig deep and and do that as a bit of a writing practice for yourself yeah. at home. So powerful. I mean, all of my stories that I figured, I mean, I was hardly conscious of the fact that these were stories that I was buying into. I discovered them all through journaling. So writing them down, I think is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, I know that I think you've read it as well. There's a great book called The Artist's Way who from Julia Cameron and talks about doing morning pages as a practice. Mm. And just, I think she says three or four pages, maybe more, where you just unconsciously write, write, write as soon as you wake up in the morning and just get all of the noise and the voices and the, the past beliefs and, you know, whatever is on your mind out of the way. And then once that's done, then you free yourself up from the the noise and are yeah. able to step into creativity. Yeah. The Julia Cameron changed my life. The morning pages were really where I started doing the work. Yeah, really powerful. Oh my okay. God, yeah. Well, let's dive into it because I think between us we're really going to help some people. <laughs> <laughs> let's go for it. <laughs> so I want to dive into, I think, just for those at home, stick with us. We're going to go and talk about, you know, 
can you really do or which you kind of just touched on yes I I think that Amy would agree you absolutely can turn your creativity into a viable business that will provide your sole income Yes, yes, yes. Fuck, I could just say that over and over again, you know, because <laughs> it seems like such a radical thing to say. But like, yes, your art can provide your sole income. <laughs> and yes. we just and don't so, hear that often. Absolutely. So you you heard it here. Believe <laughs> it. We've both done it. We both yeah. work with people who have done it. If If you're noticing in yourself at home right now that you've heard that sentence and it feels there's a little spark that comes up of doubt or like, oh, oh they're talking shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I encourage you to write that sentence out and put it up and say, I will earn my full-time income from, and then state what you're going to earn it from. Write it down and put it somewhere where you will read it every single day and start yeah. doing that as a practice. Yeah, and I think, you know, when like when I would have heard that, you know, a few years ago, I would have started, you know, having all those stories come up again. But it's a good way to trigger your um, beliefs that are holding you back, like start noticing what resistance you hear when you when you listen to a sentence like that and start writing it down because those are the stories that are holding you back. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing you can do is find examples. Um, but just for the, you know, I love a bit of neuroscience behind it is when you put it in a place, so whether it's, you know, as you're walking outside of your bedroom door or on the back on your phone, what happens is that your brain is sub starts feeding that as a message and a new belief into your subconscious so the more that you read that the more that you repeat that it's like learning to ride a bike the more you practice the more you learn to do it and then eventually you get to a place where you you believe and you know how to ride a bike because you've done it so many times and then why we don't even think about riding a bike or driving a car is because our bodies have done it time and time again and our brain knows exactly how to do it, that it doesn't even need to consciously think anymore. So it is actually put it away in the back of your brain as a um, a stored belief and skill set that doesn't really need energy to activate anymore. And so you can do the same thing with your belief systems is to read them over and over again and put them those places so that eventually your brain will store that as a unconscious belief. Magic. So magical. Okay. So why do you think we're going to go into why is it so hard? What, you know, and I think we've kind of touched on that. How do we actually concept the idea? So if you are creative, Mm. often I would say a lot of people listening who identify as creative would, one of the first things they say is I have so many ideas. (laughs) So (laughs) how, how do you concept and choose your idea and maybe start mapping out that as a business model? Where to actually start and test it out and start to get some traction to prove that you can make money from it. And then let's finish off with um, when's the the best time to leave your nine to five and really give it your all. Beautiful. Let's go. So why is it so hard, Amy? (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, a lot of creatives, we have the issue of having so many different ideas, um, which is such a blessing. And also at the same time, such a challenging and such a, a learning curve, I think, for many of us. Um, But I think at the core of us having an abundance of ideas is often 
a bit of perfectionism and a bit of procrastination. And we have to be brave enough to choose one and to place our bets behind one. And I, I work with a lot of creatives who um, project hop, who can't finish a creative project because their new one looks extra shiny and extra lovely. And I think what happens is behind that are stories about how you're never going to be good enough or the ideas are never going to be good enough. So having the courage and the ability to question our stories and limiting beliefs around why we are finding it so hard to commit to one of these projects I think is big work but really important work and being able to trust yourself to pick the project uh, even if you know you've got many on the go and you're not entirely sure which one's going to serve you but being able to commit and to, have to know that you are enough and that project is enough and it doesn't have to be perfect you just have to give yourself that commitment and consistency to the project that you've chosen in order to see it through fully and to see it fully realized. But I think there's, you know, lots to say there about uh, just backing yourself and understanding that none of them are going to be perfect. Um, And you're just going to have to back one of those ideas and see where it takes you and have the courage to see where it takes you. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that is a really good, really good piece of advice because the perfectionism, and I get this a lot in coaching, kills dreams and Mm. you'll never start and you know one of my favorite quotes that you've probably seen time and time again with Mm. startup creative is just start Mm -hmm. and I know it's not as easy as that for somebody with perfectionism or lots of different ideas and you know one of the quotes I think I put in the book was um from the Airbnb oh I think it was I can't remember who it was but somebody said if you're I think it was Airbnb founders and they said if you've launched with your, if your first product, what your launch is, is too, is perfect, then you've launched too late. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think we get very caught up with the idea that, you know, the thing that we give to the world has to be perfect um, or the project that we pick that we want to work on has to be, you know, the perfect project that's going to propel us into success. And I think giving yourself, the permission for it to to not be, you know, the thing that you've envisioned, giving it permission to be shitty at times mm. is super powerful and actually gives you such a, a step ahead in the game, conversely, actually. And it's just, I think it's so important to give yourself room to be messy and to play and to have to fuck up a little bit on this. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, I think I did a whole chapter of this in my book that will be out next year, which is, that I think that sometimes the limiting belief is that people go, okay, well, I want to be a full-time artist and they see somebody else doing it. Mm. And so, which is good. So you can look at somebody else who's already doing it Mm -hmm. and you can go, okay, instead of comparing yourself or, you know, whatever procrastinating because they've already done it or they're doing it and I'm just here and I'm just starting out and I haven't started yet. You look at it and go, okay, what they're actually showing you is the validation that people are willing to pay for it, right? So flip it on its head and go, that's possible. That's actually just showing me that it's possible and try and quieten the voice that is probably the imposter syndrome that says I could never do that. Mm. And so use that as a guiding star that says, all right, that person is showing me a business model that I could create for myself. And then I think the next step is to not try and go, well, and I think maybe this is where the perfectionism shows up is that we go, all right, well, if that's the business model that I want to create, 
I have to get there overnight. Mm. And that's where you undo yourself because what starting a side hustle is all about and testing this out is that you don't have to be perfectly wrapped up. You don't need to have the most glam website and the highest prices and the all togetherness yet at the beginning. You just need to test it. And I think when you you just do it in a bit of a messy way, like it could just be that you you put a post on Instagram and say, hey, I would love to, you know, test some logos for people. If you're a graphic designer, would anyone is anyone in need of something? And that you ask people to DM you or you might put it in a Facebook group where you know there's some small business owners or you might ask somebody at that you know who runs a business and say, can I do some logos for you? Mm-hmm. And then just start there. You don't need to have this big system and this beautiful invoicing program or you just ask somebody, yeah. do the work. And then once you've done that work once, you learn so much from that process. Like you will learn, did you enjoy it? Was it what, were you able to do what you think the client wanted? Was somebody willing to pay for it? And, you know, what, what, how long did it take you? And what did you need to smooth up that process? Like that's all just getting in the game gives you information that is priceless. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just asking yourself the question right now, like what action could I literally take today Um, and seeing what happens. And again, just watching those perfectionist stories, listening to them, seeing them, but then going, no, but I'm still going to move through with this. I'm still going to do it because we have everything we need right now. We just need to take those steps. We need to take that action. I love that example. And I think it throws me back to something that you said earlier and I wanted to touch on was this idea of the old paradigm of, you know, submitting books or asking Mm -hmm. to be on the radio or that be, you know, a press release for a newspaper article or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think the world that we now live in is that Instagram, websites, Mm -hmm. PayPal, like all of this technology means that we actually have our own media outlets so we can go and find the people who want to hear from us and build our own audience so we no Mm -hmm. longer need to you know pitch to be on television to get our word out there or ask the the newspaper to run an article or or list our upcoming show or whatever we actually have the power to create our own audience and um, go there first yeah I mean I could talk about this all day this idea of the connection economy is like we're living in a time for artists like this is our time where we don't need anybody to give us permission only ourselves we don't need to feel small we don't need to feel less than anybody else because we weren't picked by you know the non-creative gatekeepers that say yes or no you know at their own whim we have the ability and we can give ourselves the permission to create art and connect with people right now and literally nobody needs to give you anything it's all on you Mm -hmm. which is scary and liberating at the same time but it means that like in this moment in this moment right now you don't need anybody else's permission you could put your art out in the world and you can start making connections it's just so powerful and I we need to take advantage of it 
Of course. And I think that's like, you know, you take nothing else from this podcast. It's that you and I, Amy and I can sit here and give you all the tips and the play-by-play of what we did and how other people have done it and how we coach people to do it. But this very first step of just testing it somewhere, mm-hmm. only you can do that. Yeah. Like only the artists can do that for themselves as to whether you're going to get up tomorrow and do what you've always done and say, oh, I can't do it or, you know, no one would ever pay me and allow those stories to run your life or you're going to wake up and say, today's the day I'm going to ask that warehouse down the road if I can put on a show for my mm-hmm. new artwork that I, you know, had been sitting in the garage and painting for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's available to you right now. It's, yeah. just, it's just getting that courage and putting aside those stories that we've inherited and that we've been told and sold and doing the damn thing. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a, a great tip. The first thing is obviously we've said write out your limiting beliefs, write up the, the affirmation that you can actually do this. And then the third thing is to um, find one client or, you know, do one thing in, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give whoever's listening to this. I give you three days to do one mm, thing yeah. that's gonna take you in the direction of making your creativity a viable business. Because if you don't do something about this in three days, and those of you listening who maybe have sweaty palms right now mm. when your your heart's racing a little bit and you're kind of wanting to turn the podcast off because you're like fuck. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know that it's me. And you, if you don't do something about it in three days, you'll never do anything about it. And you'll be here yeah. this time next year saying, I wish that I'd started. Yeah. I love the quote from the, you know, Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, the famous Stoic, who, who says, how long are you going to wait? Like, how long are you going to wait mm. until you until you ask for the life that you want? Um, because you know, you could do it right now. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say before we move on that I can almost see my past self listening to this podcast and mm-hmm. I thought I would kind of throw up a few of the resistances that I know I would be thinking. And yeah. the big one that I'm thinking is, well, I don't know what to do. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, the publishers, they don't want my books. So what the, what the fuck am I meant to do? There's nothing else I can do. And that's because I was stuck in such a traditional mindset that there was only one way to go. So... Um, I guess I just kind of wanted to speak to that and to remind you that, you know, there are so many things that you can do and it just takes relaxing those boundaries that you've put up for yourself and stop being so rigid with the way that you think this is going to work because it's not ever going to work the way you planned it to work and giving a bit of relaxation to the vision that you have. And that isn't to say that you can't have massive big fuck off dreams and, you know, an incredible vision, but just relaxing those boundaries around how it has to look on a day by day basis to give you, you know, the space to do other things and to approach it in different ways and to look at it in a really different route. Mm, That is absolutely brilliant advice. And, you know, something that I talked about in the book was that, you you know, you might stand at the bottom of a mountain and go, there's the peak and that's where I'm heading, right? Mm -hmm. And that's good. That's the big vision that you have. But getting one step 
one taking one step up the mountain or let's just say you do the first leg and it's a couple of hundred meters you will the perspective that you have like visually when you look around from that part of the mountain looks so different like it mm. we, there's a view there that you couldn't possibly have seen at the bottom and you once you get to that view then you'll you know that's when doors start to open and you know you might not know the exact how to get to that peak right then but you know you get to that point and you go oh cool now i'm going to go on this part of the track and you couldn't have seen that part of the track from the bottom so the tip is to just get in the game and you know one of my favorite Brene Brown quotes is that you know I want to be in the arena I want to be getting my ass kicked and I want to be figuring this out and I don't want to talk to people who are sitting on the sidelines you know I'm done sitting on the sidelines and I think if you're listening to this and you're feeling that inner frustration of like yes I'm done on the sidelines then that is the best indication that you're you you know you're not going to last there much longer the universe and the world and your life is either going to kick you into the arena and be like sort it out or you're going to manifest illness or anger or frustration and envy because you're clinging so tightly to the edge of the arena and you're not willing to to let go and relax those boundaries that you were talking about Mm. And you don't belong there. I think so many mm. people, you know, and myself, my past self included, thought maybe we belonged on the sidelines. Maybe we were only here to watch the, in inverted commas, the very best. But yeah, I just, you do not belong there. It's yeah. your time for, to be in their arena. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's so nice and refreshing to hear those limiting beliefs because I think that it will be really helpful for people because. Something that, you know, and Amy, feel free to chime in if we can give some ideas for people. This is what we do for coaching. So this Mm. is free coaching for everyone out there. Um, Let's say you're a writer and you're saying, you know, I don't want, no one wants my book. I would suggest one of the first things you could do is start an Instagram account and start sharing Mm -hmm. some of your writing on there. The other one I would say is write a blog the other one I would say is um, crowdfund your self-publication. Mm-hmm. What else have you got? Oh, man, there's so many different routes. And, again, we've got a, the ones that you feel the most resistance to is often the ones that you have to go down. I know for me a lot of the stuff that I found the most success in, the most joy and other things that I said I would never fucking do in my whole life. Um, so being open to all of these ideas is so important. Um, but exactly as you said, like it's time to start showing your work Um if you're not doing the work, if you're not writing the work, then yeah, you've got to start there. You've got to start being vulnerable and generous with your art. They're always my two things I come back to. Are you being vulnerable with what you're creating? And then are you being generous? So are you giving it to others? And do you understand that it's an act of generosity that you're giving out your art? Um, So Instagram is obviously where I found my ability to be generous and to give and to connect. Um, And, you know, that started, you know, with zero followers and I just fucking put a picture of myself up there and I started writing and it and it took that I remember the moment I started my Instagram I was lying in bed and I thought fuck I really wish there was someone who spoke about being a writer on Instagram I just don't I don't see them and so I put a picture of myself up and I spoke about how I was writing my book um 
And I continue to do that on a daily basis. And I have done for the last six years. And that is how I've been able to connect with people. And it has been, you know, slow and consistent, um, but it's been magic. And it did not make me money for the first, you know, four or five years of my creating and my sharing there. Um, But that patience and that dedication gave me such an abundance and such a joy and so many connections with so many creatives. So Mm. this is about finding the platform to share your work because we can't just create in the darkness. Your art isn't made for that. Seth Godin says that art isn't even art until it's shared, that the purpose of it is to connect. So finding a way for it to connect. And, you know, if this is making you feel super uncomfortable, then I'm going to put you even further and say, you know, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, but this is clearly something that you're being called to do. Um, So whether that's on a blog, on your website, on a podcast, like start a fucking podcast. You know, everybody says, oh, you know, but everybody has a podcast, but literally that's, you know, it's not true. You know, there's like, I think there's something like there's 700,000 podcasts in the world and we're in a, you know, a 7 billion person planet, you know, not everybody has a podcast and there is room for you and you have stuff to give that literally nobody else can give. So start taking up space. Um, there's so, and there's so many different ways to do it. I publish my books online on my website. I don't need permission from anybody. Amazon doesn't take shit. I didn't need anything. I didn't need any money apart from my subscription to Squarespace. And I put it on my website And that's how I get my art out there. And that's something that's available for you to do today if you have the money to do a subscription to Squarespace. There are ways. Which is about $30 a month, really. Yeah. And for those at home, it's the, you know, the Amy's story there of just getting on Instagram and being like, all right, I'm just going to start here is, you know, she's at what, about 44,000 followers now and Mm. gets really high engagement on her videos and everything that she shares. So a great example of once you start, and I think that's, you know, coming back to that, just take it step by step and you don't need to be at 40,000, but Amy started at zero and saw the need and showed up consistently. And I Mm. think that's what you do really well, Amy, is you're there time and time again and you're really clear on what you are there to share and people really come to you to get that because it's consistent and it's clear so if you're there at home right now I would say find one thing and it could be exactly what Amy's just shared that you if maybe if your book is being rejected or you're you're not getting engagement go and get a coach or just find somebody and say, can you read this and be really honest with me? You know, Mm -hmm. tell me what you really think. Make sure if you are doing that, that it's somebody that is, that you is living some aspect of what you want to be living because, you know, it's no use giving it to your partner or your mom or your best friend. And they've got no clue on how to critique writing, you know? Yeah. They want to be in the arena too. Yeah, I mean, get in touch with Amy. That's what she does for a living. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so first step is it it is hard. You're going to come up against procrastination, which really stems out of perfectionism. You might feel like an imposter or completely overwhelmed. Just start. Just do one thing. Once you've done that one thing, then, you know, I'm sure a door will open and somebody might say, like I had a client the other day and she said, okay, I have this idea for a book. And I was able to help her with her pitch based on my example. And then we, we, I introduced her to my editor and said, go, go for it. 
Um, so I haven't heard back about that yet. But, you know, w- once you reach out and say, do that one thing, like Amy asking about this podcast, then the next door opens. And if it doesn't open immediately, take space to go, okay, what's the next logical thing here? And if you do get really stuck, that's where you might want to think about investing in a coach or somebody who can you can outsource the logistical next step to. Totally. Yeah, okay. I love that. How do we concept the idea then? So, you know, those who do have lots of different ideas or, you know, they're maybe let's just say, okay, I'm really good at writing, I'm really good at graphics or I like to take photos, music, you know, all the different creative things. How do we start to concept what that could look like as an offering that somebody would be willing to pay for? An excellent question. For me, the biggest lesson here in that that kind of like initial concepting stage is allowing my ideas to adapt. So when I first came to you, I was looking at creating a physical creative space. Um, So I wanted to have like an actual creative warehouse where artists came to work. Um, And that was literally an idea that I, I, you know, just came to me in the wind. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to action it because I need to do something other than make coffee all day. And I want to live a creatively abundant life. Um, And it was very, you know, on a whim. And I went to Kay, I was like, this is what I want to do. And as I worked with Kay, like everything started to change and shift. And I was I realized that that wasn't exactly what I wanted. And it was, you know, it wasn't a a loss. It was a a transformation of vision and allowing um, that to transform was really important for me to get to where I am today, where I'm I'm writing books and that's how I make my money. Um, But allowing the idea to change uh, was integral to me being where I am today. So I think it was about me just allowing myself to commit to something then I outsourced and I got help and support through you. And then I had the permission to change and to morph and to not be, you know, super committed to one vision. Again, it's that flexibility. Which I think is a really smart piece of advice for especially creatives because, you know, this is not, uh, I guess it's a bit of a generic concept, but I know that I can be like this as well, is that when you love what you do, which creatives are really closely connected to their creations Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to let somebody else in to take feedback and to you know adapt and grow and I, I still remember very early on having to take feedback and it's like your initial idea isn't always you know going to be the end idea yeah but if you can learn the humility and the, and I think as we get older, it gets harder and harder to learn from other people mm. and to take advice and to take feedback. And I actually felt this so much in my writing process. I, you know, once my book, I, I wasn't on the podcast, but I mean, I'm sure you could relate is once I'd written, so I, you know, I, think I po- I popped about three bottles of champagne, submitted, <laughs> submitted my 40,000 words, went for a walk around the block, cried my eyes out, like threw like light on the ground and was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I finished. Like mm. it was that real celebration moment. But then about three weeks later, I get an email from the publishing house saying, um, this big long email of all these edits and feedback <laughs> and I remember opening it and scrolling through it and kind of like speed reading and I instantly felt sick I closed the email and I I don't know my publisher knows this but just avoided opening it for another two weeks yeah and then eventually the publisher's like hey how are you going with those edits <laughs> and I was like felt so sick to my tummy 
And because I, I was so emotionally attached to every yeah. single word that I'd written and how I eventually was able to open the email and do what she was asking me to do was that I shifted my mindset from this is, and it reminded me of being at the beginning of my business, which was when you come up with this idea and you get really excited and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I've done. And look at my creation. And then somebody says, yeah, but you know, we might need to tweak this. And she, she was like, we need to make it punchier and we've got to get it down to 28, 28,000 words Ooh, eventually. Yeah. And I was, the, my mindset shift had to be, okay, this is exactly what I do for a living is that, you know, I encourage people to get a team around them of people who are smarter than them and who are going to drive them to an end goal and, and give them honest feedback so that they, they have a a thriving business. You know, that's what I do for a living. And so then to be on the other side of that was really painful. And I had to humble myself and be like, let go of your ego. (laughs) (laughs) These people are wanting the best from you and they're backing you and they they know what they're doing so trust them and you know let go of the the restrictions and you know your um tight grip to what you think you want to do and allow the team to work with you and for you mm-hmm. and once I shifted into that mindset, I was like, I really enjoyed the editing process and I learned a lot. Like I feel like just in those mm-hmm. that month or so of editing back and forth with their two editors, I became a better writer and I could see that how she was changing certain sentence structure and getting to the point quicker. And then, you know, just recently I've read the book from start to finish again and I was like almost in tears again. I was like, wow, like we this is really good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, creatives, this is um, a part of our gig, I think, because we commit with our heart to our art. And that means that when we come into a collaborative situation, which, you know, we all, I guess, endeavor to at some stage come into it as a collaborative experience in some way or another, uh, we have to do the ego work. And I'm a very stubborn person, especially when it comes to, I also write fiction when it comes to my fiction and I commit to that story so hard and I commit to the characters so hard. And when you get feedback, you know, that this doesn't work. Like my instant reaction is to be on the defense and be like, actually, fuck off. You've got no ideas. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Um, and but that's you know that's the the moment of of true learning and understanding like real creative collaboration and like putting that ego down and being like listen like this is the time for you to set down those boundaries and to realize that there's so much more to learn here and to experience here and sometimes mm. you might be like no I disagree with you I think that this part of my art really needs to be there and that's okay too and that's really important too but having the space and the flexibility to to have that input from others and to be able to change what you've created is so integral to growth mm. um, and to moving forwards and to more doors opening and to, to learning. And it really is the difference between those who will be successful at this and those who I won't. Agree. Because if you dig your heels in and say my way or the highway, then, you know, the reason why art or any business exists is for the customer. So if mm. you're not willing to adapt and change and, and you know, take feedback, then you, you it's actually all about you. And if that's where you're at, then don't try and make it a business like Mm. just keep it you know keep it doing it for you the way that you want to do it and um but if you want to make it a business there is going to have to be a little bit of you know um push and shove and you know I hear this and it comes at 
different times for everyone. So if you're, it could be that you're creative and you're needing to seek advice at the beginning to get your idea off the ground. But even I, I work with or I've interviewed very successful businesses, like I think Seed and Sprout Sophie was mm-hmm. a really good example. That initial phase for her was her strong suit. So she was able to concept it and get it into the ground, into the world and test it all out. But then when it came to scaling, she was like, this isn't my game. Like this, I'm not good at scaling this into a big warehouse that can run smoothly and 25 staff. So that's when her time came to pull in somebody and get advice. So yeah. it, there's no shame in, in getting that help. And it's going to happen throughout your whole business. Like, you know, I shared a podcast on systems and processes. And for me, that was where, you know, four years in was I was like, shit, like I really do need help here. And that, that I share that on the podcast if you want to check that one out. But that's where I have to outsource as well. So mm-hmm. it's going to keep happening. Um, and it's a good skill set to learn for life and relationships and business. hundred <laughs> percent. Literally this week, I had to re-film and reshoot a whole entire course uh, that I had only, you know, put out a few months ago because I've got feedback that some of the more technical issues needed to change. And yeah, my ego took such a fucking big hit and I was so mm. grumpy about it for so long. And I put up such a fight and I really let myself feel my feelings. And I think giving yourself permission to feel the pain is not a bad thing. Like I was, I, I felt upset and I allowed myself to feel that. But then at the end of the day, I was like, this is not my strong suit. I need to trust others. I need to trust the professionals. My art is there to connect. And mm. if I'm going to be so stubborn that I refuse to do the hard thing, I refuse to redo this then I'm I'm not with the intention to connect. I'm not being generous. I'm not being mm. vulnerable. I'm being stubborn and my ego is taking control. And so I refilmed it. I reshot it. Wow. Yeah. And I, I had to let go of that pain. And, you know, I think that's a really good example because this is the part where it, um, you know, it, it gets hard, but it's the, without a team that, and people, you know, helping you out along the way, then the idea, the ideas can kind of, you know, um, fizzle out or you can get so overwhelmed that you don't mm-hmm. know, you know, that businesses can completely fall to pieces because um, founders aren't willing to ask for help and invest yeah. in help as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would love to clarify that, that, that person's opinion, like I, these aren't people who I've attracted around me. They're not like, like I paid them, you know, like I paid these people for their help and mm-hmm. I paid their, them for their decision. And I chose to get them involved in my creativity. This is not something I haven't been chosen by them. They're not people that picked me. Like I picked them and I asked for their opinion. And then, so they gave it to me and, and my ego had to deal with the shit I had to deal with. But in the end of the day, they're here to support me and I had to, to go with them. And I, and I think one of the keys to success in business is um, being able to move quickly on an idea, which does mm-hmm. avoid burnout and overwhelm and procrastination. So when you outsource some of the things or you get help, then you're able to, uh, you know, and I think that's what I love about coaching is that I've been in business for five years. I've made lots of mistakes. I've had lots of wins, but now I have a blueprint that I can almost give to people and fast track them through some of the things that took me a very long time or a Mm. lot of pain to learn. So you, when you move quickly, you are able to, you know, get in the game and and make money and also learn. So Mm. if you, and outsource some stuff and get advice and and uh, seek support then you'll move quicker and the quicker that you move 
then the more likely you are to actually succeed. Yeah, I love that point. One of my strengths is I'm a quick mover and I feel like it's really served me when there's an idea, I jump on it and I I hear all those perfectionist thoughts, um, but I, I move with what I am feeling and like that creativity, I jump on it when I feel it. Mm, absolutely good and it's a common theme I see over and over and so just quickly for those who might be thinking I have so many different ideas either package them all up into one so a lot of creative things can fall into one so if you like photography or videography or design Mm. you know you might find a way to package it find somebody who has and and use that as an example or the other option I would say is to pick one get that first paying client, see how it feels and either keep rolling with it and you could maybe add another idea if it fits into the same bucket or you might scrap it all together and go, "Mm, that's not what I thought it would be or you might do two ideas that are completely different but by testing one you learn a skill set of how to do this and then it becomes, you know, what I've learned over the years and, you know, you'd be the same as that you know, and sometimes people come for coaching and they're like, oh, just wondering if you've had experience of people in my industry. And I can probably say that I have done every industry under the sun as a coaching yeah. client now, but it, it doesn't even matter to me what industry you're in because there's some fundamentals of business and concepting that um, are applied to everyone. Yeah. 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 I love that. I think okay. it's true. Cool. So um, we've kind of already touched on where to start, um, but any other bonus tips on there? And then maybe once you're in the game, you've got a bit of traction, Where, uh, when's the right time? Maybe if you are in a nine to five or you're, you're looking to make this your full time and you've just been testing it on the side, when, when do you take that leap? Yeah, well, to answer that first question, just adding any more like where to start, my only other piece of advice is to make small promises to yourself initially. Um, I think creatives, we have big visions, you know, we want to we go all in or we don't want to try at all. Um, and it's just a recipe for disaster. I see so many creatives just go so hard, so fast. And again, this isn't to negate the big dreams, like please have the big dreams. But I think that the big dreams are, in fact, I feel like I know that the big dreams are always achieved through small amounts of consistency each day. Uh, Like a good example is just finishing a book for me, like, it just has to be, you have to make a small promise to yourself that you know you can follow through on. Otherwise we move into that procrastination zone where we betray ourselves, where we ghost ourselves because we just can't live up to the standards that we've set. And so when we start, we need to start with very small, very not sexy, not particularly appealing goals that look perhaps a little petty on paper, but they're the things that are going to get you to where you want to go. And I I truly believe in the magic of small, consistent Mm, Really, uh, really good advice. Yeah. And I think you'd be the same and, you know, you use Instagram as an example, but even like for me, it was lifestyle. Like I, I wanted to free myself. I wanted to have abundance in my business that meant I could travel and, Mm. you know, not work on Mondays and all of those things. And for a long time, that was a dream, but I held it as a vision. And then eventually, you know, every now and again, you stop and look back and go, shit, like I did that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, And to to look into when, like you want to quit the nine to five and go full time with artistry, I think that's really specific to 
to every single creative out there. For me, I was kind of thrust upon it. I was thrust upon with unemployment um, and I could not. I applied to so many freaking jobs that I knew that I hated and it was a soul-destroying task for for me um and I ended up moving in with my in-laws like it was just a mess of a time for me but for me emotionally I knew that I was being called to where I needed to go that I couldn't handle it my mental health couldn't handle it like I wasn't able to handle it so I I put everything into creating this world for me um so that was a very personal choice and one that was kind of done under a bit of duress uh, but I, f- I feel like for everyone it's going to be very different and we have to be really listening to our limiting beliefs we have to be listening to the stories that we're telling ourselves are we getting in our own way like are we holding off from going full-time because of fear could we do the courageous thing and do the leap mm. yeah and I think that <clears throat> It's about um, like weighing it up too, you know. I think that example of yours is how bad do you want it, you know. You're, mm. you're not prepared. I often say to people, you know, set those big dreams and those goals and get really real with them and get get emotional and feel the feels of what it would be like for them to come to life. And then for some people and maybe both simultaneously, you also get really real with how, you know, what you're not, not liking, what's not serving you in your life right now. And then, um, and, you know, almost get really distasteful for that so that that can sometimes inspire you to run faster in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the really good ones, I think you're right in that it doesn't have to, it's different for everyone. I think you've got to weigh up financially what's mm-hmm. viable. Like I think it's really smart to not jump in all systems go if you haven't got a few paying clients to validate your idea yet. So, you know, do run the numbers, speak to an accountant and and go, what would I need to be earning in order for this to be my full-time gig or however much you want to earn from it? And then figure out how many of whatever you've got to sell would you would need to sell and then, you know, start thinking, okay, how could I sell those and where would they be? And And once you've got that number, you can kind of say, all right, once I hit 10 sales a month at this price point and I've done that consistently for three to six months, now I think I'm ready, you know, because yeah. I've, I've proven that this is this is viable. But I think, you know, what most people will find in kind of your example is that once you've listened to this podcast and you start to feel the feels in your body of, of that you desire something more for yourself know that not everybody feels that way and not everybody has those dreams and those goals so if you are experiencing a deep desire to want to create this for yourself then that's a pretty good indication that I would say there's a blueprint inside of you that's Mm -hmm. meant to create it and if you don't you will create you know discomfort in yourself and um you know start working on it today just do that do that one thing and and start figuring it out and again committing to yourself that you're going to do what it takes to get you there yeah yeah your your callings uh, or your desires are your roadmap and yeah it's your almost your duty to start following them it's your duty to yourself absolutely well, thank you so much for so much incredible wisdom and sharing so many great insights. Do you want to let people know where they can find you? And yeah. um, we'll put it in the show notes as well. 
Beautiful. So you can find me um, on Instagram at inspired to write. It's just one word, inspired to write. Uh, or you can find me online and all my books online on my website, which is www.amymcnee.com. And you spell Amy, A-M-I-E, and then McNee is M-C-N-E-E. Um, so all my books are there. Um, uh, my subscription is going to be there soon. So you can uh, work with me and do masterclasses with me. And then, yeah, on Instagram. And then also I have a pop- podcast called Unpublished where we talk Amazing. about, you know, creatives and what this life is like. Incredible. Thank you so much, Amy. You, I really I'm enjoyed so the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> great chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.